Act Five of The Bell Stratagem by Hannah Cowley. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Act Five, Scene One, Hardy's. Enter Hardy and Villers. Whimsical enough dying for her and hates her believes her a fool and a woman of brilliant understanding as true as you are alive but when i went up to him last night at the pantheon out of downright good nature to explain things my gentleman whips round upon his heel and snapped me as short as if i had been a beggar woman with six children and he overseer of the parish here comes the wonder-worker enter letitia here comes the enchantress who can go to masquerades and sing and dance and talk a man out of his wits but pray have we morning masquerades oh no but i am so enamoured of all this conquering habit that i could not resist putting it on the moment i had breakfasted i shall wear it on the day i am married and then lay it by in spices like the miraculous robes of saint bridget mm, that's as most brides do the charms that help to catch the husband are generally laid by one after another till the lady grows a downright wife and then runs crying to her mother because she has transformed her lover into a downright husband listen to me i han't slept a night for thinking of plots to plague dorricourt and they drove one another out of my head so quick that i was as giddy as a goose and could make nothing of em i wish to goodness you could contrive something contrive to plague him nothing so easy don't undeceive him madam till he is your husband marry him whilst he possesses the sentiments you laboured to give him of miss hardy and when you are his wife oh heavens i see the whole that's the very thing my dear mr villers you are the divinest man don't make love to me hussy enter mrs racket no pray don't for i design to have villers myself in about six years there's an oddity in him that pleases me he holds women in contempt and i should like to have an opportunity of breaking his heart for that and when i am heartily tired of life i know no woman whom i would with more pleasure make my executioner it cannot be i foresee it will be impossible to bring it about you know the wedding wasn't to take place this week or more and letty will never be able to play the fool so long the knot shall be tied to-night i have it all here pointing to his forehead the license is ready feign yourself ill send for doricot and tell him you can't go out of the world in peace except you see the ceremony performed i feign myself ill i could as soon feign myself a roman ambassador i was never ill in my life but with the toothache 
when letty's mother was a-breeding i had all the qualms oh i have no fears for you but what says miss hardy are you willing to make the irrevocable vow before night oh heavens i i tis so exceedingly sudden that really that really she is frightened out of her wits lest it should be impossible to bring matters about but i have taken the scheme into my protection and you shall be mrs doricor before night come to hardy to bed directly your room shall be crammed with files and all the apparatus of death then hey presto for doricor villers to letty you go and put off your conquering dress and get all your awkward airs ready to hardy and you practice a few groans to mrs racket and you if possible an air of gravity i'll answer for the plot married and jest tis an odd idea well i'll venture it exit letitia and mrs racket ay i'll be sworn looks at his watch tis past three the budget's to be open this morning i'll just step down to the house will you go what with a mortal sickness what a blockhead i believe if half of us were to stay away with mortal sicknesses it would be for the health of the nation good morning i'll call and feel your pulse as i come back exit you won't find em over brisk i fancy i foresee some ill happening from this making believe to die before one's time but hang it oh, i am a stout man yet only fifty-six what's that in the last yearly bill there were three lived to above a hundred fifty-six fiddly-dee i'm not afraid not i exit scene two doricourts doricourt in his robe de chambre enter seville undressed so late i didn't go to bed till late twas late before i slept late when i rose do you know lord george jeanette yes has he a mistress yes what sort of creature is she why she spends him three thousand a year with the ease of a duchess and entertains his friends with the grace of a ninon ergo she is handsome spirited and clever dorcourt walks about disordered in the name of caprice what ails you you have hit it elle est mon capri the mistress of lord george jeanette is my caprice oh insufferable what you saw her at the masquerade saw her loved her died for her without knowing her and now the curse is i can't hate her ridiculous enough all this distress about a kept woman whom any man may have i dare swear in a fortnight they've been jarring some time have her the sentiment i have conceived for the witch is so unaccountable that in that line i cannot bear her idea was she a woman of honour for a wife i could adore her but i really believe if she should send me an assignation 
I should hate her. Heyday, this sounds like love. What becomes of poor Miss Hardy? Her name has given me an egg. Dear Savile, how shall I contrive to make old Hardy cancel the engagements? The moiety of the estate which he will forfeit shall be his the next moment, by deed of gift. Let me see. Can't you get it insinuated that you are a devilish wild fellow, that you are an infidel and attached to wenching, gaming, and so forth? Aye, and such a character might have done some good two centuries back. But who the devil can it frighten now? I believe it must be the mad scheme, at last. There, will that do for the grin? Ridiculous. But how certain are you that the woman who has so bewildered you belongs to Lord George? Flutter told me so. Then fifty to one against the intelligence. It must be so. There was a mystery in her manner for which nothing else can account. A violent rap. Who can this be? Seville looks out. The proverb is your answer. Tis Flutter himself. Tip him a scene of the madman and see how it takes. I will. A good way to send it about town. Shall it be of the melancholy kind, or the raving? Rant, rant! Here he comes. Talk not to me who can pull comments from the beard and overset an island. Enter Flutter. There, there he is. He is the one who hath sent my poor soul without coat or breeches to be tossed about in either like a duck feather. Villain, give me my soul again. Upon my soul, I haven't got it. Oh, Mr. Flutter, what a melancholy sight. I little thought to have seen my poor friend reduced to this. Mercy, defend me. Was he mad? You see how it is. A cursed Italian lady, jealousy, gave him a drug, and every full of the moon. Moon? Who dares to talk of the moon? The patroness of genius, the rectifier of wits, the... Oh, here she is. I feel her. She tugs at my brain. She has it. She has it. Oh! Exit. Well, this is dreadful. Exceeding dreadful, I protest. Have you had Monroe? Not yet. The worthy Miss Hardy. What a misfortune. Ay, very true. Do they know it? Oh, no, the paroxysm seized them but this morning. Adieu, I can't stay. Going in great haste. But you must. Holding him. Stay and assist me. Perhaps he'll return again in a moment, and when he is in this way his strength is prodigious. Can't indeed. Can't upon my soul. Flutter, don't make a mistake now. Remember, tis Doricourt that's mad. Yes, you mad. No, no, Doricourt. Egad, I'll say you are both mad, and then I can't mistake. Excellent, severally. Scene three. Sir George Touchwoods. Enter Sir George and Lady Frances. The bird is escaped. Courtall is gone to France. Heaven and earth! Have ye been to seek him? Seek him? Aye. How did you get his name? I should never have told it you. I learned it in the first coffee-house I entered. Everybody is full of the story. Thank heaven he's gone. But I have a story for you. The Hardy family are forming a plot upon your friend Doricourt, and we are expected in the evening to assist. With all my heart, my angel. But I can't stay to hear it unfolded. 
They told me Mr. Seville would be at home in half an hour, and I am impatient to see him. The adventure of last night... Think of it only with gratitude. The danger I was in has overset a new system of conduct that perhaps I was too much inclined to adopt. But henceforward, my dear Sir George, you shall be my constant companion and protector. And, when they ridicule the unfashionable monsters, the felicity of our hearts shall make their satire pointless. Charming angel, you almost reconcile me to court all. Hark, here's company. Stepping to the door. Tis your lively widow. I'll step down the back stairs to escape her. Exit Sir George. Enter Mrs. Racket. Oh, Lady Frances, I am shocked to death. Have you received a card from us? Yes, within these twenty minutes. Aye, tis of no consequence. Tis all over. Doricor is mad. Mad? My poor Leticia, just as we were enjoying ourselves with the prospect of a scheme that was planned for their mutual happiness, in came Flutter, breathless with the intelligence. I flew here to know if you had heard it. No, indeed. And I hope it is one of Mr. Flutter's dreams. Enter Seville. Apropos, now we shall be informed. Mr. Savile, I rejoice to see you. Though Sir George will be disappointed, he's gone to your lodgings. I should have been happy to have prevented Sir George. I hope your ladyship's adventure last night did not disturb your dreams. Not at all, for I never slept a moment. My escape and the importance of my obligations to you employed my thoughts. But we have just had shocking intelligence. Is it true that Doricourt is mad? Seville aside. So the business is done. Madam, I am sorry to say that I have just been a melancholy witness of his ravings. He was in the height of a paroxysm. Oh, there can be no doubt of it. Flutter told us the whole history. Some Italian princess gave him a drug and a box of sweetmeats, sent to him by her own page, and it renders him lunatic every month. Poor Miss Hardy, I never felt so much on any occasion in my life. To soften your concern, I will inform you, madam, that Miss Hardy is less to be pitied than you imagine. Why so, sir? Tis rather a delicate subject, but he did not love Miss Hardy. He did love Miss Hardy, sir, and would have been the happiest of men. Pardon me, madam. His heart was not only free from that lady's chains, but absolutely captivated by another. No, sir, no. It was Miss Hardy who captivated him. She met him last night at the masquerade, and charmed him in disguise. He professed the most violent passion for her, and a plan was laid this evening to cheat him into happiness. <laughs> Upon my soul, I must beg your pardon. I have not eaten of the Italian princess's box of sweetmeats sent by her own page, and yet... I am as mad as Doricourt, ha, ha, ha! So it appears. 
What can all this mean? Why, madam, he is at present in his perfect senses, but he'll lose him in ten minutes through joy. The madness was only a feint to avoid marrying Miss Hardy. <laughs> I'll carry him the intelligence directly. Going. Not for worlds. I owe him revenge now for what he has made us suffer. You must promise not to divulge a syllable I have told you, and when Doracor is summoned to Mr. Hardy's, prevail upon him to come, madness and all. Pray do. I should like to see him shooing off now I am in the secret. You must be obeyed, though tis inhuman to conceal his happiness. I am going home, so I'll set you down at his lodgings, and acquaint you, by the way, with our whole scheme. Allons! I attend you. Leading her out. You won't fail us? Exit Seville and Mrs. Racket. No, depend on us. Exit. Scene 4. Doricourts. Doricourt, seated, reading. Doricourt flings away the book. What effect can the morals of fourscore have on my mind, torn with passion? Musing. Is it possible such a soul as hers can support itself in so humiliating a situation? A kept woman. Rising. Well, well, I am glad it is so. I am glad it is so. Enter Seville. What a happy dog you are, Doricourt. I might have been mad or beggared or pistoled myself without its being mentioned. But you, forsooth, the whole female world is concerned for. I reported the state of your brain to five different women. The lip of the first trembled. The white bosom of the second heaved a sigh. The third ejaculated and turned her eye to the glass. The fourth blessed herself, and the fifth said, while she pinned a curl, Well, now perhaps he'll be an amusing companion. His native dullness was intolerable. Envy. Sheer envy. By the smiles of Hebe. There are not less than forty pair of the brightest eyes in town will drop crystals when they hear of my misfortune. Well, but I have news for you. Poor Hardy is confined to his bed. They say he is going out of the world by the first post, and he wants to give you his blessing. Ill. So ill. I am sorry for my soul. He's a worthy little fellow if he had not the gift of foreseeing so strongly. Well, you must go and take leave. What? And act the lunatic in the dying man's chamber? Exactly the thing, and will bring your business to a short issue, for his last commands must be that you are not to marry his daughter. That's true, by Jupiter. And yet, hang it, impose upon a poor fellow at so serious a moment. I can't do it. You must, Faith. I am answerable for your appearance, though it should be in a straight waistcoat. He knows your situation and seems the more desirous of an interview. I don't like encountering Racket. She's an arch little devil, and will discover the cheat. There's a fellow. Cheated ninety-nine women and now afraid of the hundredth. And with reason. For that hundredth is a widow. Exeunt. Scene 5. Hardy's. Enter Mrs. Racket and Miss Ogle. And so Miss Hardy is actually to be married tonight? If her fate does not deceive her, you're apprised of the scheme and we hope it will succeed. Miss Ogle, aside. 
deuce take her, she's six years younger than I am. Is Mr. Doricourt handsome? Handsome, generous, young and rich. There's a husband for ye. Isn't he worth pulling caps for? Miss Ogle, aside. In my conscience, the widow speaks as though she'd give cap ears and all for him. I wonder you didn't try to catch this wonderful man, Mrs. Brackett. Really, Miss Ogle, I had not the time. Besides, when I marry, so many stout young fellows will hang themselves that, out of regard for society in these sad times, I shall postpone it for a few years. Aside. This will cost her a new lace. I heard it crack. Enter Sir George and Lady Frances. Well, here we are. But where's the knight of woeful countenance? Here soon, I hope, or a woeful knight it will be without him. Oh, fie! Do you condescend to pun? Why not? It requires genius to make a good pun. Some men of bright parts can't reach it. I know a lawyer who writes them on the back of his briefs and says they are of great use in a dry cause. Enter Flutter. Here they come, here they come, their coach stopped as mine drove off. Then Miss Hardy's fate is at a crisis. She plays a hazardous game, and I tremble for her. Seville without. Come, let me guide you. This way, my poor friend. Why are you so furious? Dorcourt without. The house of death. To the house of death. Enter Dorcourt and Seville. Ha! This is the spot. How wild and fiery he looks. Now I think he looks terrified. Oh, poor creature, how his eyes work. I never saw a madman before. Let me examine him. Will he bite? Pray keep out of his reach, ladies. You don't know your danger. He's like a wildcat if a sudden thought seizes him. You talk like a keeper of wild cats. How much do you demand for showing the monster? I don't like this. I must rouse their sensibility. There! She darts through the air in liquid flames. Down again! Now I have her. Oh, she burns, she scorches. Oh, she eats into my very heart. <laughs> he sees the apparition of the wicked Italian princess. Keep her highness fast, Dorcourt. Give her a pinch before you let her go. I am laughed at. Laughed at, I, to be sure. Why, I could play the madman better than you. There, there she is. Now I have her. <laughs> Dorcourt aside. I knew that devil would discover me. I'll leave the house. I'm covered in confusion. Going. Stay, sir. You must not go. Twas poorly done, Mr. Dorcourt, to affect madness rather than fulfill your engagements. Affect madness? Savo, what can I do? Since you are discovered, confess the whole. I turn evidence and save yourself. <sighs> yes. Since my designs have been so unaccountably discovered, I will avow the whole. I cannot love Miss Hardy, 
and I never will. Hold, my dear Dorcourt. Be not so rash. What will the world say to such— Damn the world. What will the world give me for the loss of happiness? Must I sacrifice my peace to please the world? Yes, everything, rather than be branded with dishonour. Though our arguments should fail, there is a pleader whom you surely cannot withstand. The dying Mr. Hardy supplicates you not to forsake his child. Enter Villers. Mr. Hardy requests you to grant him a moment's conversation, Mr. Dorcott. Though you should persist to send him miserable to the grave, let me conduct you to his chamber. Oh, I, anywhere, to the Antipodes, to the moon. Carry me, do with me what you will. Mortification and disappointment, then, are specifics in a case of stubbornness. I'll follow, then, and let you know what parcels. Exeunt Villers, Doricourt, Mrs. Rackett, and Miss Ockle. Ladies, ladies, have the charity to take me with you, that I may make no blunder in repeating the story. Exit Flutter. Sir George, you don't know Mr. Savile. Exit Lady Frances. Ten thousand pardons, but I will not pardon myself for not observing you. I have been with the utmost impatience at your door twice to-day. I am concerned you had so much trouble, Sir George. Trouble? What a word! I hardly know how to address you. I am distressed beyond measure, and it is the highest proof of my opinion of your honour and the delicacy of your mind that I open my heart to you. What has disturbed you, Sir George? Your having preserved Lady Frances in so imminent a danger. Start now, Seville. To protect Lady Frances was my right. You have wrested from me my dearest privilege. I hardly know how to answer such a reproach. I cannot apologize for what I have done. I do not mean to reproach you. I hardly know what I mean. There is one method by which you may restore peace to me. I cannot endure that my wife should be so infinitely indebted to any man who is less than my brother. Pray explain yourself. I have a sister, Seville, who is amiable, and you are worthy of her. I shall give her a commission to steal your heart out of revenge for what you have done. I am infinitely honored, Sir George, but— I cannot listen to a sentence which begins with so unpromising a word. You must go with us into Hampshire— and if you see each other with the eyes I do, your felicity will be complete. I know no one to whose heart I would so readily commit the care of my sister's happiness. I will attend you to Hampshire with pleasure, but not on the plan of retirement. Society has claims on Lady Frances that forbid it. Claims, Seville? Yes, claims. Lady Frances was born to be the ornament of courts. She is sufficiently alarmed not to wander beyond the reach of her protector. And from the British court, the most tenderly anxious husband could not wish to banish his wife. Bid her keep in her eye the bright example who presides there, the splendor of whose rank yields to the superior luster of her virtue. I allow the force of your argument. Now for intelligence. Enter Mrs. Rackett, Lady Frances, and Flutter. Oh, heavens, do you know? Let me tell the story. As soon as Dorycourt 
I protest you shan't, said Mr. Hardy. No, twas Doricote spoke first, says he. Uh, no, twas the parson, uh, says he. Stop his mouth, Sir George. He'll spoil the tale. Never heed circumstances. The result, the result. No, no, you shall have it in form. Mr. Hardy performed the sick man like an angel. He sat up in his bed and talked so pathetically that tears stood in Doricor's eyes. I stood. They did not drop, but stood. I shall in future be very exact. The parson seized the moment. You know they never miss an opportunity. Make haste, said Doricor. If I have time to reflect, poor Hardy will die unhappy. They were got as far as the day of judgment when we slipped out of the room. Then by this time they must have reached amazement, which, everybody knows, is the end of matrimony. Aye, the Reverend Fathers ended the service with that word, prophetically to teach the bride what a capricious monster a husband is. I rather think it was sarcastically, to prepare the bridegroom for the unreasonable humours and vagarities of his helpmate. Here comes the bridegroom of tonight. Enter Dorcourt and Villers. Villers whispers Seville, who goes out. Joy, 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 If he's a sample of bridegrooms, keep me single. A younger brother from the funeral of his father could not carry a more fretful countenance. Oh, now he's melancholy mad, I suppose. You do not consider the importance of the occasion. No nor how shocking a thing it is for a man to be forced to marry one woman whilst his heart is devoted to another. Well, now it is over, I confess to you, Mr. Doricor, I think t'was a most ridiculous piece of quixotism to give up the happiness of a whole life to a man who perhaps has but a few moments to be sensible of the sacrifice. So it appeared to me. But thought I, Mr. Doricourt has travelled. He knows best. Zounds, confusion. Did ye not all set upon me? Didn't ye talk to me of honour, compassion, justice? Very true. You have acted according to their dictates, and I hope the utmost felicity of the married state will reward you. Never, Sir George. To felicity I bid adieu, but I will endeavour to be content. Where is my, I must speak it, where is my wife? Enter Letitia, masked, led by Seville. Mr. Doricourt, this lady was pressing to be introduced to you. Oh? Starting. I told you last night you should see me at a time when you least expected me, and I have kept my promise. Whoever you are, madam, you could not have arrived at a happier moment. Mr. Doricourt is just married married impossible tis but a few hours since he swore to me eternal love i believed him gave him up my virgin heart and now ungrateful sex your virgin heart no lady 
My fate, thank heaven, yet wants that torture. Nothing but the conviction that you as another's could have made me think one moment of marriage to have saved the lives of half mankind. But this visit, madam, is as barbarous as unexpected. It is now my duty to forget you, which, spite your situation, I found difficult enough. My situation? What situation? I must apologize for explaining it in this company, but, madam, I am not ignorant that you are the companion of Lord George Jeanette, and this is the only circumstance that can give me peace. I? A companion? Ridiculous pretense. No, sir, no, to your confusion, that my heart, my honor, my name is unspotted as hers you have married, my birth equal to your own, my fortune large, that and my person might have been yours. But, sir, farewell going oh stay a moment rascal is she not who she oh lord no twas quite a different person that i met i never saw that lady before then never shalt thou see her more shakes flutter have mercy upon the poor man heavens he'll murder him murder him yes you myself and all mankind sir george savile villers "'Twas you who pushed me on this precipice. "'Tis you who have snatched from me my joy, felicity, and life.' "'There! Now how well he acts, the madman! "'This is something like. "'I knew he would do it well enough when the time came.' "'Hard-hearted woman, enjoy my ruin. "'Riot in my wretchedness.' "'Hardy bursts in. "'This is too much.' you are now the husband of my daughter and how dare you show all this passion about another woman alive again alive ay and merry here wipe off the flower from my face i was never in better health and spirits in my life i foresaw twould do why my illness was only a fetch man to make you marry letty it was base and ungenerous well sir you shall be gratified the possession of my heart was no object either with you or your daughter my fortune and name was all you desired and these i leave ye my native england i shall quit nor ever behold you more but lady that in my exile i may have one consolation Grant me the favour you denied last night. Let me behold all that mask conceals, that your whole image may be impressed on my heart, and cheer my distant solitary hours. This is the most awful moment of my life. Oh, Derricourt, the slight action of taking off my mask stamps me the most blessed or the most miserable of women. What can this mean? Reveal your face, I conjure you. Behold it. Rapture transport heaven now for a touch of the happy madman this scheme was mine i will not allow that this little stratagem arose from my disappointment in not having made the impression on you i wished the timidity of the english character threw a veil over me you could not penetrate you have forced me to emerge in some measure from my natural reserve and to throw off the veil that hid me I am yet in a state of intoxication. I cannot answer you. Speak on, sweet angel. You see, I can be anything. 
choose then my character your taste shall fix it shall i be an english wife or breaking from the bonds of nature and education step forth to the world in all the captivating glare of foreign manners you shall be nothing but yourself nothing can be captivating that you are not i will not wrong your penetration by pretending that you won my heart at the first interview for you now have my whole soul your person your face your mind i would not exchange for those of any other woman breathing a dog how well he makes up for past slights cousin racket i wish you a good husband with all my heart mr flutter i'll believe every word you say this fortnight mr villars you and i have managed this to a tea i never was so merry in my life gad i believe i can dance footing charming charming creature congratulate me my dear friends can you conceive my happiness no congratulate me for mine is the greatest no congratulate me for i have escaped with life and give me some sticking plaster this wild cat has torn the skin from my throat i expect to be among the first who are congratulated for i have recovered one angel while doricourt has gained another foe foe don't talk of angels we shall be happier by half as mortals come into the next room i have ordered out every drop of my forty-eight and i'll invite the whole parish of st george's but what will drink it out except one dozen which i shall keep under three double locks for a certain christening which i foresee will happen within this twelvemonth my charming bride it was a strange perversion of taste that led me to consider the delicate timidity of your deportment as the mark of an uninformed mind or inelegant manners i feel now it is to that innate modesty english husbands owe a felicity the married men of other nations are strangers to it is a sacred veil to your own charms it is the surest bulwark to your husband's honour and cursed be the hour should it ever arrive in which british ladies shall sacrifice to foreign graces the grace of modesty finis end of the fifth act epilogue nay cease and hear me i am come to scold whence this night's plaudits to a thought so old to gain a lover hid behind a mask what's new in that or where's the mighty task for instance now what lady bab or grace e'er won a lover in her natural face mistake me not french red or blanching creams i stoop not to for those are hackneyed themes the arts i mean are harder to detect easier to put on and worn to more effect and thus do pride and envy with their horrid lines destroy the effect of nature's sweet designs the mask of softness is at once applied and gentlest manners ornament the bride do thoughts too free inform the vestal's eye or point the glance or warn the struggling sigh 
not diane's brows more rigid looks disclose and virtue's blush appears where passion glows and you my gentle sirs wear visors too but here i'll strip you and expose to view your hidden features first i point at you that well-stuffed waistcoat that ruddy cheek that ample forehead and that skin so sleek point out good nature and a generous heart tyrant stand forth and conscious own thy part thy wife thy children tremble in thine eye and peace is banished when the father's nigh sure tis enchantment see from every side the masks fall off in charity i hide the monstrous features rushing to my view fear not there grandpapa nor you nor you for should i shew your features to each other not one amongst ye'd know his friend or brother tis plain then all the world from youth to age appear in masks here only on the stage you see us as we are here trust your eyes our wish to please admits of no disguise end of the bell stratagem by hannah cowley